0: No, yes, Man, works every time. Hey guys, thanks for checking out another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros. Um, I will warn you, we had a lot of fun recording this show. However, there's a little bit of lag, so if it sounds like we are talking over each other, um, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Um, but some good news, there's a lot of good content in here. Uh, my co-host Tom and I were joined by a special guest, Levi, the Fantasy Nice Guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Fantasy Nice Guy. Uh, check me out on Twitter at Tight Ends Matter as well. And then uh, tightendsmatter.com is officially up and running. So we are in the very early stages of developing the site. Uh, but feel free to send any feedback you have on it. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you then. All right, enjoy the show. All right, sweet. Well, should we just uh, jump into it today? We got a bunch of stuff planned out. I want to make sure we can get to it. Um, we're going to be talking about dynasty myths. So uh, this pertains if you're in a startup right now or maybe you're holding some, some guys that you're thinking about letting go. Um, so we're going to go over some some values and then we've got some uh, trade talks here at the end. So the, the first dynasty myth that I wanted to go over was uh, myth number one, which um, in the dynasty community, it sounds like you should be selling those running backs before they turn 26. Uh, so right now, all of the uh, top tier guys that are under 26, it would include uh, McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, Kamara. Cook, Mixon, Chubb, Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Jacobs, and Jonathan Taylor. So we'd all agree that in uh, Dynasty, these are all considered RB1s, right?
1: Definitely. Yep,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So um, I don't think those are guys anybody's in a rush to get off their roster. So then the the players that we're talking about selling – um, that would be Derek Henry, who just got his deal at age 26. That's kind of the scary age. And then guys that are just about to reach that um, potential cliff, we got Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Todd Gurley. And then I wanted to throw in there, Melvin Gordon is actually uh, 27, believe it or not. So he, he's been playing forever, it feels like. Um, so of, the, of those guys listed, so Henry – Jones, Fournette, and Gurley. Uh, some of our listeners, they might kind of be on the on the fence if they should be selling. So let's set the price at this last rookie draft. Uh, if you could keep that running back or sell them for the one hundred and nine at the one hundred and ten. Um, so you're not getting Dobbins, you're not getting Ceh, uh, you're not getting Jonathan Taylor, but you could reach on like a, a bond, or you might have one of those quarterbacks drop to you. Um, I guess of those running backs mentioned, uh, we can start with you, Levi. Who would you who would you be selling? Um, this is
1: tough. I would definitely hold on to Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. They signed those new deals. I think that the plan is they're going to be pretty much the center of the offense in some capacity. Eckler, I worry a little bit about with volume, but he's shown over multiple years that he's a very efficient running back, so he doesn't need. 250 plus touches. Like he can do more with 240 touches than some of these guys can probably do with like 270, 280. So I do like that. I would say probably the only one on this list that I would consider selling at the one nine or 110 is probably Melvin Gordon, just because he did go to a new team. He didn't sign the illustrious contract we wanted to get a lot of touches in college, a lot of touches uh, in LA with the Chargers. And so, yeah, he could be potentially a back end RB1, probably more of a mid RB2 for you this year. But after that, I just don't see him really being a guy that's going to be consistently getting the volume, number one. And number two, or I don't know when the out could be for the Broncos either. Like, I'm not the biggest Drew Locke believer. I think we talked about that on my podcast the other day as well. So out of this list, I would say Melvin Gordon. Gurley is interesting to me. Uh, I do believe that he since he played 15 and 16 games last year, he didn't handle as many touches as he did in previous years, but I think that the knee I, we maybe you've overrated the lack of health of his knee. And I think he is could still have two, three, four more pretty solid seasons in the NFL. Again, maybe they're they're not gonna be top five, but low end RB one and high end RB two, especially if he can stay in Atlanta or go to you know another offense that's almost as good. So as far as at that price point for those running backs, Really, Melvin Gordon's the only one. The only one I didn't touch on was Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. Fournette is just such a good talent, and I know he's going to get so much volume now. It's hard to imagine that a team doesn't take a chance on him. I know that there was a lot of rumors that the Jacksonville Jaguars were trying to trade him, and nobody really wanted to bite or even give up a six- or seven-round pick. But it's a lot easier to say that now versus when he is a free agent, and if he puts up back-to-back healthy seasons where he gets 300-plus touches and puts up the yardage – I think a lot of teams are willing to kind of turn a blind eye to maybe some of the stuff that, that he did that they they didn't really like. And then for Aaron Jones, it's just so tough because I do think the Packers work out a deal. They usually like to, to keep their guys. They're very much a, we're going to draft our own guys. We're going to develop them and then we're going to keep them. That's just the philosophy of the organization, but they also like to kind of do more for running back by committee. Like Jamal Williams is still going to be out there on third downs, pass blocking. You have A.J. Dillon, who I know that Aaron Jones is a really good goal linebacker in his own right. But when you have a guy that is basically Derrick Henry light, it's hard to imagine that he's not going to get some goal line and some short yardage touches. So he's a guy that if you would, excuse me, he's a guy that if you did want to sell at that price, I understand. I would definitely want more, especially coming off the season that that he came off of.
0: All right. Well said. So of that list, you're just looking to sell Gordon, and surely you're kind of on the fence. But yeah, I, I would
1: say I guess depending on the quarterback Atlanta situation in, in superflex leagues and how much you believe in Herbert, like I, I could see that kind of being the tipping point a little bit. Um, especially being a top six pick, I I don't really know what to think about Herbert. To be honest, I think he has just a really wide range of outcomes, and I'm kind of hoping. I guess in the couple of leagues that I own Herbert in. I'm kind of hoping that he gets on the field a little bit sooner rather than later kind of puts a flash in the pan up almost like a Daniel Jones or a Josh Allen, just probably not as electric of a runner. And then I can hopefully trade him as if he is one of these borderline, you know, low end QB one, high end QB twos in dynasty and kind of go from there because I just don't, even though he has really good supporting cast in LA, there's just that how he can't throw under pressure and the fact that, he had to play a senior year at Oregon. And even Oregon Ducks fans were kind of like, you know, we kind of wish you would have left last year. Like, that, that's kind of a huge red flag to me, too. No one wanted Tua to leave. No one wanted Joe Burrow to leave their college. You know what I mean? So, yeah, those those are kind of the situations uh, with Gurley. And it it always depends, obviously, what your quarterback situation is and, and who's left on the board there.
0: Yeah. It well said. What What about you, Tom? From this list, of um, I, five I think or have, six I guys, have to agree with, with you're most of everything. Um, I, I I like all of these running backs. The only one that I'd be hesitant about purchasing, I I do like Melvin Gordon, even though he is twenty seven. I think they're going to run him into the ground the next couple of years. And if you can get an RB one for two years for the price of a, a late first, I think that's definitely a buy. But Todd Gurley's knee definitely makes me a little bit nervous. I'm definitely not a doctor. Um, but from my understanding, with his arthritis problems and his in his knee, is that it can basically flare up at any time. So it's not necessarily that they're they're looking for a, a really big hit on his knee, and it doesn't really matter if they limit the amount of touches that he gets. Um, it could it could just flare up any time. So if that if that happens in the middle of the season, they might end up resting him for for a month. And if it's closer to the end of the season. Then um, it could be like the, the Rams three years ago when they didn't play him during the, the fantasy playoffs. But I think Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, both being 25, kind of near that cliff, I would still like to purchase them in half PPR and PPR formats because I think, worst case scenario, if they did lose out on that goal line work, I think they're still very safe as the the, uh, the third down uh, back for, for their teams for the next couple of years. Uh, so, and I, I like Fournette's talent as well. And uh, now that Derek Henry got got paid, it might be recency bias, but I think he's definitely worth at least a first. So, are, are there any guys there that that you uh, would be avoiding, Sam? No, for for me, I I'm one of those guys. I'm always buying running backs. I probably overvalue running backs a little bit. Um, but I'll, I'll let them die on my roster. I've got Mark Ingram in a handful of leagues and that, that worked out really well for me last season. Um, but the, a lot of these guys, even when we see him, uh, change teams, we're, we're shocked when they produce. So I think in previous shows, I mentioned like DeMarco Murray, after he totally flamed out in Philadelphia, he ended up having a, a great season for the Titans. Uh, we saw Adrian Peterson, even at a, a late age, he was still productive with the Redskins. So these these guys that have been RB ones in the in the past, uh, I'm okay buying them after age 26, 27. You can usually get a little bit of a discount too. Uh, but we'll we'll see other running backs get a little overvalued in the the rookie running back um, or in the rookie draft. So I think of like Bond this season. Uh, I'm not the biggest Zach Moss guy. Uh, so there's there's question marks with them and potential timeshares. So even in startups, I'm taking guys like Mark Ingram over, over them. So no, I'm not, I'm not scared off by this at all. So I'm uh, excited to hear that you guys aren't too scared off by these 25 or 26 year old running backs either. Um, So the next myth that QBs are overrated and super flex, uh, this is kind of a, a big statement it's uh, a pretty generalizing statement but for the most part let's assume you've got two two quarterbacks in a super flex league so you might be looking at acquiring a third one for bye weeks or potential injuries or you're just going to plug in um, another flex worthy running back or wide receiver Um, so the reason i wanted to bring this up is we still have quarterbacks at an old age so last year philip rivers Uh, He's 38 years old. He didn't have an amazing season uh, by any standards, but he still ended the season as QB 15. Um, So with with that scoring, um, he he still finished at about 250 total points. uh, Where you've got Mark Ingram at RB 8, finishing with 229 points. uh, Fournette he was RB9 with 221 and then Saquon at 218. Um, so I'm definitely not telling you to go trade uh, Saquon away for Phillip Rivers, but kind of based on those stats and those numbers, you, what do you guys feel about um, de- valuing that QB2 or QB3 in Superflex? Is that something you guys think you need to to play no matter Tom, what? Tom, I'm going to let you take you the reins
1: on like this Superflex. one because I think I'm going to feel a little bit different than you guys.
0: Alright, I... uh uh, so in, in, Superflex, typically in, in a startup, I will try to grab as many quarterbacks as I can. And then by the end of the season, I will only have, uh, two startable quarterbacks and try to improve those, those other areas. Uh, um, uh, in in the past, I've only seen the strategy work once and it was a team last year. He had Matt Ryan as his quarterback, and then you could play up to three running backs. So he had Joe Mixon. Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry. So if you're if you're going to go, I don't know, go one quarterback in, in super flex, you need all three of your your running backs to hit. So if you if you spend a lot of that draft capital on on running backs and avoid the quarterback position altogether, then uh, you you better hope that they they stay stay healthy all year, um, like this this team's did. Uh, but I, uh, I I I did to answer the question. I think. I, I would uh, I would definitely value having having that, that, uh, that second quarterback in, in that position.
1: So, for me, it really just comes down to the situation and the contract for a lot of these quarterbacks. Like, Ryan Tannehill, even though he was a backup to start the year last year, he just signed that four-year deal. He's going to be the starting quarterback for Tennessee, unless something really – like, the team is going to have to completely fall apart. They're going to have to be a top-five pick. And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is going to have to be there. Like, that's the only way that Ryan Tannehill is not going to be the starting quarterback. Like, even a guy like Nick Foles, even though he had injuries and didn't play well, he still ended up on the Bears. It's probably going to be the starting quarterback there. This is a lot of these guys are kind of the sweet spot that I like uh, to take my quarterback, especially in startups. Quarterbacks are usually never cheaper than what they are in startup drafts, just because you you see these other names. And you kind of get allured by the team that you can create by sacrificing a little bit of quarterback depth. They're going a little bit farther down the list. And then you kind of realize as the season goes along when you're not getting the production that you could from a guy that, oh, man, maybe I should have taken uh, like a little bit. Maybe I should have taken Stafford around earlier versus trying to bank on like a Teddy Bridgewater, like a guy like this year, even though I'm quite high on Teddy Bridgewater this year. So I actually looked into this a little bit more myself. I personally, when I look at at, at stats and, and where teams finished and like where individual players finished overall, I like to look at it from a points per game basis, just because I think it's a little bit more accurate. Like obviously a lot of these guys, you're not going to start every single week. So, and even though you're not going to start every single week in the points per game area either, at least it factors in the games that they're not playing. So I actually looked over the last five years, I looked at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver points per game. And then I broke it down into like QB1, QB2, QB3, and then for the other positions. Over the last five years, QB1 has averaged about 19.5 points per game. For running backs and wide receivers, and this is for full point PPR. So this is not for half point PPR. So I will preface with that. For full point PPR, running backs average, those top 12 running backs only average one point less per game. And then wide receivers, it was about one and a half points less per game. So you're looking at 19.5 for QB1, 18.5 for RB1, and about 18 for wide receiver 1. So that that group is a little bit closer than I think a lot of people might think, or or maybe think that that sounds about right. Here's where things get interesting, though. When you look at QB2, the difference is only about 3.5 points per game from a QB1. You're looking at about 16 points per game versus 19.5. For an RB2, it drops all the way down to 12.6 points per game. It's almost a six-point difference between having a top 12 running back versus, uh, you know, the RB2 13 through 24. So that's a huge difference. And so that's why I try to go a little bit more robust running back because even if I go all the way down to QB3, that 25 to 36 range, they average 13.2 points per game. And that's only about three points different from the QB2. And then you look at running backs and wide receivers, they're barely scoring above 12. So I think a lot of times we, you could look back at Phillip Rivers' season, and even though he finished QB 15, there was a lot of weeks where he threw a lot of interceptions, he did not play well, and he lost you matchups. There's also some times where he just kept dunking down to Austin Eckler, and even though he only got like six points for the first three quarters, he made up and maybe he finished with you know almost 17 18 points per game, uh, kind of towards the end of the season. So I guess what I'm trying to say with this information is, yes, if you can identify those quarterbacks and, and you're confident in your, in your ability to say, I think because of their situation and how, the, and kind of what they're in for this year, I think this guy is going to average pretty close to that QB one line versus maybe he has a little bit wider range of outcomes and he could finish as low as a QB three. Then maybe that's, and depending on, again, on their contract situation, maybe you should kind of hold off and maybe try to, Get more of a top end running back or a wide receiver with a more solidified target share. Especially right now, the quarterback position is so interesting in the NFL because I, I think there's just never been so much talent at the quarterback position. And we already know, even if the college season is canceled next year, there's at least two really good guys that are coming in the league and they're going to take somebody's job. Like we think it's going to be Garner Minshew in Jacksonville. We project that as being one of the, the more poor teams. Maybe it's Carolina. Maybe it's a team like, I don't know, maybe Denver completely collapses. You know, Drew Locke isn't that silly guy. Maybe it's even Phillip Rivers. The point I'm trying to make here is a lot of those guys that seem like they have a really good job stability and that they're going to be playing the league for a while, they're they're it could just go in a snap. And you can say that about a lot of positions. But I feel like that's one of the things that a lot of fantasy gamers try to bake in to the value of a quarterback, especially in Superflex.
0: Yeah, th- those are some really good points. Um, so one, one thing that kind of came to mind is, so you mentioned like Brian Tannehill. I, I agree. I think he'll be starting the next few seasons. And then um, and he'll be like a low-end QB1 and QB2. And then you've got a player like Josh Jacobs. He's a younger running back who we probably all agree is a, a low-end RB1. Um, but he's got higher RB um, upside if he gets more targets. So let, let's say you're doing a startup draft, and you go tight end and wide receiver the first three rounds. I don't know why you'd take a tight end in the first, uh, unless if you, you just love tight ends. But let's say you took, like, Kittle, and then A.J. Brown, and somebody fell to you that you just couldn't say no to, like Tyreek Hill. So you've got those three positions. Would you rather take Ryan Tannehill in Superflex or Josh Jacobs Knowing that the next tier of running backs was probably gonna be like, I mean, personally, that, I like, or, I would still take Josh Jacobs.
1: I, I you might saw it seem like that's crazy because by the time I get to my next pick at quarterback, I can really be looking at okay. the bottom of the barrel guys. Like maybe I'm looking at guys like Tua, Herbert, Fitzpatrick. Um, but again, I think it's you also have to know your league. That's like the I think one of the biggest more and Matt Kelly talks about this in his podcast as well, is just you kinda have to be able to read the room a little bit when it comes to quarterbacks. Usually that kind of round, especially in startups, like there's going to be a run on quarterbacks, usually somewhere in, in between rounds four and six. Maybe if it's a bigger league, it could even go as early as a third round. I would still like to capitalize on huge running back value. And yeah. man, if I yeah. can start off with my team like that, I feel like I can kind of piece together some other things. And at that point also, especially in a startup, I would have no problem patching together some picks to move up to get a more solidified starter like a Matt Ryan or maybe the Matt Ryan's probably gone by them, but maybe I can get like a Matt Stafford, a Teddy Bridgewater, a Sam Darnold. I'm willing to trade up a little bit and maybe give up some of those mid-round picks that I know are worth a decent amount. But that's kind of one of those situations where as much as I try to trade back and accumulate picks uh, in a startup draft, if I think there's going to be a kind of drop off in value soon, or if kind of the players are kind of running out at a certain position, I have no problem trading up and sacrificing a little bit of value.
0: Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned trading up because a lot of times you, it, the the hot trend right now is to trade down and trade back and get more of those middle round picks. But sometimes you do have to trade up or overpay if if one of those positions are there. So yeah, you might have to give up your seventh to move up in the fifth round. Um, but if that's the difference between you um, having Derek Carr or like you said, like Matt Stafford, I think that's worth the trade. So that that's a really good point too. Get just knowing the people in the room and you kind of have to take a step back and look at the draft and see, see how it's coming to you. And yeah, if you have really good um, uh, talent and value drop to you, don't be hesitant to uh, take it, but at some point you might have to pull the trigger. To move well, if, I, if I can, can jump in there too. Um, I, I think, so uh, I think you should get a I great to point talk like, about, Levi, about that. A lot of times you, you might yeah. draft a quarterback and think, well, they're young, so they're their job secure. But we also, what happened with, with James Winston, he had a phenomenal fantasy football output last season, but he's already lost his, his starting job. So just just because uh, you think somebody's young and talented, they're not necessarily going to be safe. So if you if you took James Winston um, in the early rounds, which I know happened in one of the leagues that Sam and I were in, then uh, you're you're scrambling to get that that second or third quarterback in uh, in super leagues this year.
1: In my first it's- Superflex startup the three quarterbacks I chose and it was all kind of like, I think before round 10 was Matt Stafford who that's a battle of his injuries. So he wasn't exactly a reliable starter up until last year when he did play a little bit Uh <laughs> Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Those are the only three quarterbacks I drafted. And so I had to, after one year, even though I had guys on my team like Travis Kelsey, I had Leonard Fournette. I'm trying to think who else I, there was I had Deandre Hopkins. Like, I had a pretty decent core, but we started so many guys. It was kind of uh, a league design about somewhat similar guys that Matt Kelly does in his league and the one that me and Sam are in where we start two quarterbacks, three running backs, five wide receivers, two tight ends. So even though I had these good players in a 10-team league where I had to start off these guys, I quickly saw, like, how there was just no chance I was going to get my hands on a reliable quarterback outside of Stafford who, again, has his own injury reliability issues. I, I had to blow it up. 100% like I I traded away Kelsey I traded away Hopkins and of course I trade away Hopkins like Christian Kirk plus and then he gets like two weeks later he gets traded uh so like it it was just really interesting how it worked out but but I have to brag and I talked about this in the podcast on my rookie draft I got Ceh, Jonathan Taylor JK Dobbins and I got DeAndre Swift
0: so, so you you took out every running back.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And they were they were getting so mad. Like, they are like, you can't even start all those running backs. Because I also have Chubb and I have Miles Sanders. And in just my head, I'm like, oh, I, I understand I can't start this. But I also am not in a position to even win, even with those guys. So I'm like, I'm totally cool just sitting back, being Joe Cool, waiting. Hopefully some running backs go down. I can trade a couple of these guys away. I already had somebody offer me pretty much their entire draft class just for Nick Chubb. So I I was somewhat interested in just that. And, but then they wanted like Herbert involved. And I'm like, well, Herbert's not a guy I can just throw in a super flex league. So, yeah, but it's you, and and that's why I just think I I really liked what you said, Tom, about kind of taking those quarterbacks as many as you can in a startup, just because they're, they're just, they're capital. Like you can trade those guys as soon as somebody goes down in a league, like their value uh, of all quarterbacks are going to go up because even though a replacement is out there on the waiver wire, how much of that production can they really replace? You know, yeah. it's just like when a running back goes down, like a lot of times they're not even going to, it's not going to be a one for one switch like that running back. goes getting 70% opportunity. Usually the backup's not going to get 70% anyways. Number one, number two, they're not going to be as efficient. Maybe they get lucky and they get a couple more touchdown variants goes to their way. Same thing with quarterback. Maybe they have add a little bit more with their legs versus what the traditional starter does. But Kind of loading up on the on those quarterbacks, like it's it's not a bad strategy, especially if you don't mind kind of not being good that first year, kind of going through that productive struggle.
0: Yeah, and and, and like you said, it's it's gonna upset some of uh, the the uh, the league if you start taking all those uh, those good skill positions, but they, they can always do trades with you. The uh, the most recent superflex dynasty league that I joined, um, I, one of the guys kept trading up, and he actually only has one starting quarterback right now. Um, whereas I I drafted six quarterbacks and so he's he's trying to offer me a, a third round a future third round for for Tyrod Taylor right now so I, I know I got this guy on uh on the hook so I can I can definitely try to squeeze out at least a, a second round um, before uh, the the season kicks off this year but uh I I I completely screwed up in my my dynasty my first dynasty startup last year with Sam where I took our Sega Whiteside in the tenth round. Uh, but I I had also drafted four quarterbacks, so I was able to pa- do a package deal with Drew Lock to get AJ Brown, and trade. Um. Uh. I, I it escaped me, but yeah, I I I I'm glad that uh, that you guys agree with at least one one take that I have tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's only one we're giving you. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Sam. What do we got for number three? Yeah, it's, it's fun to uh to talk talk about yeah, it's fun to talk about the mistakes we've we've made in uh, startups and so myth number three that Levi brought up, uh, it it rings home to me because I definitely made one of these mistakes. But myth number three is current situation should be heavily factored into players' long term outlook. So a couple of the players we have, for example, is going to be Dobbins versus Akers. Uh, people would would argue about their landing spots. AJ Brown versus Nikhil Harry last season, and then uh, Penny versus Chubb in 2018, and Corey Davis versus all running backs in 2017. So, uh, Levi, I'll let you jump into this one. You can uh, give us your your thoughts on a couple of those. But the, the Penny <laughs> versus Chubb, uh, that that one hurts my heart a little bit. In a 16 man startup that I I put together a couple of seasons ago. I, I watched a few too many uh, Rashad Penny hype videos, and in the first round I took DeAndre Hopkins, and the third round I took Travis Kelsey, and the fourth round I took Kelvin Ridley. So three out of those four picks, I knocked it out of the park. But round two, I mean, I reached I'll... on Rashad Penny over Nick Chubb, <laughs> and uh, I, I did. I did not make the postseason that year. So I actually want to start I, with I, Penny uh, versus Chubb yeah.
1: because. Literally,
0: check when I start to get rookie fever.
1: <laughs> I can't make this up. Literally, a trade that happened just a minute ago. Rashad Penny was just traded for a 2021 20, second in one of my leagues. It just happened. First of all, oh man, if I can get a, a late, even if it's a late second round pick for Rashad Penny, I think at this point, I'll take it. <laughs> so, because yes. I think this guy's going to go his entire rookie I, contract I, I with the team and probably not even see a hundred touches in one season like it's it's crazy because I do think he was and still is a talented guy but you just look at the situation and obviously Pete Carroll wasn't the biggest fan when it came to him versus Chris Carson at least for that year it was just tough because Chubb was running behind Carlos Hyde and the Browns are still really bad. Like, Sashi just got fired. Like, you you kind of saw that they're going to start being good, and they loaded up on picks. But it's like, man, if I have to wait an entire year for, like, Chubb to kind of finally seize that backfield, and then the Browns are still not that good of a team versus Penny, could go, come in year one, take the starting job. He looked like he had a three-down skill set. So he looked like he was a better pass catcher than Chubb, too. And you're like, all he has to beat out is Chris Carson, who was drafted in the seventh round. And that was really the only competition on the team. Oh, I, I guess they did have what's his name out of Notre Dame too, who could never stay on the field. I can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, was it Procyse? Anyways, um, just looking, I think just looking at the myth in general about current situations, we we do this a lot for fantasy. We kind of look at these drafts, especially with rookies, because we at least with veteran players, if they've been on that team for a bit, like we at least know kind of what their established role is. Like we can obviously project them to have a smaller role or a larger role in their team, but at least if they've been on the team before, we kind of get a a good idea of what like their, their median is. Obviously some players are going to get added. Some are going to be, you know, get dropped or traded, but with rookies, we just kind of really don't know what they're going to get trusted off with right off the bat. And so when you look at this year, like a JK Dobbins versus Cam Akers, Cam Akers is probably going to be a guy that can easily, be the lead back in that backfield not taking anything away from uh daryl henderson or i guess malcolm brown malcolm brown seems like just like he is like the definition of a jag like he is just you just hand the ball to him he's gonna get you two or three yards he's gonna be healthy he's gonna be healthy he's gonna be on your roster like i think that's the thing that maybe the rams like best about him uh but then you look at jk dobbins and you just see the upside that he could have especially in that offense but I wouldn't be surprised if Akers has a hundred plus more touches than what Dobbins has this year. So that's just kind of a really interesting debate. Now I'm going to take the upside. I usually I've already had a lot of running backs on my roster in my dynasty leagues. So if it came to this decision, yeah, I can take Dobbins because I can also uh, afford to wait on him. Like I'm not going to bank on a production from him or a guy like Akers just because I usually have two or three running backs that I can trust more in my starting role anyways. Now, obviously if one of them got hurt and I had to start one this year. I'd probably prefer to start acres, but again, all you have to beat out is a aging Mark Ingram and then Gus Edwards, who Gus Edwards is actually a pretty solid running back in his own right, but he doesn't, he doesn't do anything special. He just, he kind of, he gets you what's blocked and he, maybe he falls forward for an extra yard and a half, like nothing against him. Like I feel like he's just like the perfect running back to have in your roster as a depth piece. And I think he did get paid a decent amount a couple of years ago. Am I crazy for that? Or do they kind of, I can't remember if it was that or if like Baltimore was kind of jerking him around and like they b- kept bringing him back on like one-year deals. But either way, like Dobbins has got to be the future of that backfield. Now losing Marshall Yonda, one of the best guards and shout out, cause he went to the university of Iowa and that's where I'm from, but that is going to affect the running game so much. But obviously when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson in your backfield, he is going to be the one garnering attention. Like Jacob Dobbins as electric, he was in college and everything. Uh, he was kind of the guy that got taken more seriously. Yeah, Justin Fields was there at Ohio State, and yeah, he, he had the threat of t- tucking it down and run as well. But man, Dobbins, another thing too, for being a smaller running back, he handled a lot of touches against Big Ten defenses, and that is a division that, yeah, you you can put up some numbers in, and like the defenses are, aren't as great as they are in the SEC, but those guys hit, and they play tough. And so for him to kind of play through a couple injuries his last year, it kind of makes me a little bit more confident because coming into this year, I was like, why can't he beat out a guy like Mike, Mike Weber? Like it just didn't make sense. And then Weber comes in the league and he's pretty much just, I think on a practice squad right now. So I guess what I'm kind of trying to say, to kind of wrap this all up and we can talk about the other guys and their situations too, is just, the situation is just always going to change. Like we can't bank on uh, and look at two guys and say, well, his situation is just so much better this year as a rookie. So I think I'm pretty confident their value is going to stay the same. So we got to do that. Because if we did that last year with A.J. Brown versus Nikhil Harry, like now look at their situations. Like A.J. Brown at least has a quarterback that, that before Cam Newton got there looked a lot better than what Nik- Nikhil Harry, whoever the hell was going to throw him the ball. And he's also clearly the alpha, which for Harry, he saw us compete with Edelman. They drafted a couple tight ends. They have Muhammad Sanu there. So although I think he's going to be the outside X wide receiver, A.J. Brown already has that role established. He's already shown that he can produce in the NFL and in a big way. So we really shouldn't just factor in the the situation in terms of like long-term. Yeah, I'm somebody, especially when it comes to wide receivers, I do want to kind of take the guy that I think can produce more year one. So I do understand why people were taking Harry over Brown, but the gap was not as far as... like A.J. Brown fell to the 203 in one of my leagues, and I unfortunately didn't have any picks in that range. And I I kept, like, ever since he went past the 107, I kept trying to text those owners, like, what do you want for this pick? What do you want for this pick? And even after he was drafted, I tried to get him. And then even after halfway through the season, I was like, I'm willing to give you a late first, like your instant profit. And then, of course, he goes off and there's just no chance of me getting him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. in, In one of the leagues that Tom and I are in, uh, I made a bunch of moves, so I ended up having the 111 and 112, and A.J. Brown and Debo both dropped to me. So I took them both, and they they both produced for me. Uh, and I was able to swap Debo before he got hurt. But, yeah, you, you make a good point that we can't overvalue the landing spot. And speaking of these rookie running backs, I would even throw DeAndre Swift in there uh, just with the fact that if um, – carry on Johnson proves he can't stay healthy. We could see Swift easily get close to 20 touches a game. If carry on goes down midway through the season again. And, and Swift is one of those running backs that if he had landed on a better spot, if he had gone to the Rams, I think a lot of people would think, okay, they're just going to manufacture a bunch of touches for him. And he'd be going a lot higher, kind of like acres is, but in one or two seasons carry on might not be on that roster. And, um, Everybody likes to compare people to Alvin Kamara, but I I see a lot of flashes of him. So before the rookie draft, I was actually lower on Swift because I thought people were going to be taking him at 101 um, no matter what. But he's actually dropped like the 105, 106 um, in a lot of leagues. And I've been finding Swift on a lot more of my active rosters. So I, I think he's he's somebody that. Uh yeah, I I would love um, to, to look at on their things. So I think um, as well. something else that so we, we want to uh, add into this for a gloss over is um Levi, you just talked about Rashad Penny getting traded for a second. I think that's something that you could even spend a segment on it on another show talking about it, is the second round picks are basically becoming first round picks. People are getting so much better at identifying this t- these uh talented players where if you can um, even just flip a third round into a second round. That's it, just so much more more valuable, especially in in super flex these days. But I love everything that you're saying about Dobbins. And if if nothing else from the show, I want people to take away how great Dobbins is. So Dobbins uh, this year is going to be the 2020 version of Camara. I, I went back and I looked at the uh, previous ADP of of rookies in 2017, and Camara was getting taken at the 110. So he's getting taken right after Samajay Pirine and uh, Deontay Foreman. This also, this draft also included Fournette, CMC, Mixon, and Dalvin Cook, who are all great RB1s. But even uh, Pirine and Deontay Foreman were all considered to have uh, better landing spots. And right now, I think Dobbins is, is being overlooked as the, the RB3, uh, where, the, where people are saying that he um, has to fight. Uh, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and and Justice Hill. But I I think that the talent's going to win out. He was the first Ohio State running back to rush for over 2,000 yards in one season, and that that includes Eddie George. Uh, A lot of people talk about right now that Ingram's uh, the veteran leader. Gus Edwards is the downhill runner, and Justice Hill is the, the change of pace back. Um, all that sounds like to me is, is three guys that are all getting paid to do one job when, when J.K. Dobbins can do it all. So if, if you have the 101 and you're good at, at quarterback and super flex, try to trade back to that 104 or 105 and you, you can get J.K. Dobbins. And I think he's, he's going to have a better year than uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's going to be fighting off uh, Damian Williams, who is scoring touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And Marlon Beck isn't really getting that much respect right now. And he's, he's 24 years old. He's, he's produced a little bit more each season that he's played. And uh, the, the coaching staff has already talked up Naheem Hines. So I, I think Hines is, is a decent running back. He's not going to be the Austin Eckler that Philip Rivers is accustomed to. But I think in those two-minute drills, those, those are going to be uh, um, some, some downs that uh, um, Jonathan Taylor isn't going to be out there on the field. So just knowing that, uh, that Ravens are going to be playing with the lead. Um, they do still have a great offensive line and at the best rushing quarterback of all time. I I think, uh, Dobbins has a legit chance of being a, a top 10 running back his, his rookie season.
1: Poor Mark Ingram. Like he, he pretty much got supplanted. Like it was more yeah. of a 1A, 1B situation with Kamara, but Obviously, the Saints are fine moving on from him. Then he goes to Baltimore, and he's kind of the guy for a year. And then all of a sudden, they drafted J.K. Dobbins, who, like you said, I think the Camara comp is is pretty – is definitely fair. (laughs) Now he has to deal with that.
0: Yeah. And I I don't know if uh, either of you are are big uh, Madden players anymore, but did you see that he has a rating of 75 for the 2020 Madden? Uh,
1: I saw that. I saw that on so, the show sheet, but they—they yeah. always—they don't like to give rookies too high a rating I feel like a couple quarterbacks no, they do, I'd and maybe that. like a couple of top ten picks, but they—they they never like to give very good ratings for those rookies. Okay. But I love seeing their reaction too; yeah. like they are always, none of them are ever happy.
0: Well, when I, when I was when I was looking at at that seventy five size seventy five, like you got to be kidding me. So I looked at the other running backs coming in, thinking that Clyde edwards lair is probably going to be a ninety or something ridiculous. Dobbins is the number one ranked running back in Madden. So if if Madden himself is behind J.K. Dobbins, (laughs) I'm I'm all in. Fair enough. (laughs) There
1: you go. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, and if there's anything that uh, Mark Ingram can hang his hat on, I think he's the number one hype man for those young running backs playing with him. So he he's probably going to be on that Adrian Peterson path or Frank Gore path where he, he might be playing into his late 30s because he's just going to be hyping up all these young running backs. And at, at this point, he seems pretty happy with it. So it's not going to do a lot for your fantasy team, but maybe he's going to be that guy you want to watch <laughs> and see. See where he goes. Maybe maybe exactly. he goes to the Dolphins. I, I think next uh, year the Dolphins to draft top the that. I think running Mark back, that's that, be that the back of at that point in his career too he just wants it wants a so, championship. Uh, so if he if he can get, get five carries a game and get get a touchdown here or there, I think I think he'll be happy. He's not gonna be asking for more touches. I, I think he's he's getting old. He's he's ready to stop taking a pound in. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, well, we got so one more the myth. myth number four I wanted to talk uh, about Levi, tonight was how uh, good fantasy running backs play only for good offenses.
1: And I feel like this is something that the last few years that people have shied away from some running backs just because they play on a poor offense. I think Sony Michel was kind of a guy like that last year. And although that kind of played out well, and Sonny Michel has obviously lost a lot of value in a year, for me it's still all about the volume. Because guys like Christian McCaffrey – I mean, Panthers were a terrible offense last year. Like they, like their defense was horrible. And that was the only reason that their offense was at least like not bottom of the league. But then you also have like Nick Chubb. The Browns definitely disappointed last year. Their offensive line could not even block that well. And Chubb, if it wasn't for Derrick Henry, just going nuclear those last four or five weeks, he would have led the NFL in rushing. Austin Eckler, the Chargers offense, they, they just seemed like they couldn't do anything the first three quarters. And then it's the fourth quarter and all Philip Rivers is doing is just keep dugging it down to Eckler. And of course, when you see 100 targets, you're going to be a pretty good running back. Uh, I would say Leonard Fournette and Mixon, you could probably put in this category as well. And so, again, to me, it's just all about the volume. And all these guys finished as RB1s last year. So I would say for this example, it kind of only really applies to the extremes. Like if I'm looking at top five offense or bottom five offense, then I'm going to start factoring in this quote-unquote situation of, okay, like if they really pay for a a poor offense – then I'm going to devalue them, Like Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. He disappointed last year. I think he's going to be a little bit better just because they did improve the offensive line so much. But again, I don't think anybody's projected them to still be this, to be all of a sudden one of the worst offenses in the league to even middle of the pack. Even Geis in Washington, I think that's more of an issue of not really volume. I think we're just, we're a little bit nervous that because of his injuries and just because they drafted Antonio Gibson and they they're just desperate for playmakers really outside of Terry McLaurin that they're probably going to institute a lot of guys in that offense. So, but then you look at guys like Kenny and Drake in Arizona, he's never had more than 200 touches going all the way back to high school. And now that he's a starting running back in Arizona and their pace of play is just so good. Now we're looking at him as a low end RB one with potentially top five upside. Uh, now we look at Mark Ingram. Who we just talked about in Baltimore or even JK Dobbins. Obviously, Baltimore is a top five offense. So, I do that, does have a little notch up to me as well. Even Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Green Bay is definitely not going to be that hyper efficient offense like they used to be. But, I mean, you have a pissed off Aaron Rodgers right now, and he really only trusts Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. And so, give me all the volume when it comes to running backs in these situations.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, that the, the, one, the one word that you keep focusing in on, and I, I completely agree with, is, is volume. Even, uh, yeah, even but... players last year like DeAndre Washington, if you give them 20-plus touches in an average or below average um, Raiders offense, they'll still put up uh, RB1 numbers. The, uh, the, the only time that I'm kind of avoiding um, running backs that, that might be might be kind of younger, or, or some people might be after it in Dynasty is uh is the ones that are um, kind of have their just their um, first and second down role on a bad offense. So, so last year for me, uh, the the landmine that I stepped on was was David Montgomery, where I knew that I couldn't play him in week sixteen uh, because they were playing against the Chiefs and uh, Tariq Cohen w- was going to be their, their guy uh, when when they're playing from behind. So I think Montgomery had like eight carries. And one or two targets, and then I think Cohen was kind of sprinkled in throughout the the rest of the game. Uh, but yeah, it, as long as they're they're getting getting the offense, I think Fournette's a huge buy this year, and especially Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people don't like Le'Veon Bell because of what happened last year with the Jets, but a lot of uh, people need to remember that Sam Darnold was gone for with the uh, the first four games of the season, and they they actually I think they were. Um, th- did they win seven games or eight games yeah, last year?
1: They won seven games somehow, and I I, w- I really wish they would only won like five because I feel like it would have been a lot easier for them to let go of Adam Gase. But I'm hoping he just gets let go mid- midway through this year. Yeah. So what do you, what do
0: you think about a player like like David Montgomery who um, isn't going to be getting most of the, the passing work when they when they have somebody like going go on, on their team?
1: I think Montgomery. I I just think the Bears are. I mean, I live in Chicago. I just think the Bears are just a. They're a bottom five offense. It doesn't matter if it's Nick Foles or Trubisky. They have Allen Robinson, who I like, and can just, has always, play with bad quarterbacks. And he, I think an alpha wide receiver can still thrive, even on a bad offense. But then, if Montgomery was getting the passing work, then you could just compare it to Le'Veon Bell and his situation, but he's not. He averaged for less than four yards a carry last year. And even if the offense does take a step in the right direction, it's just hard for me to see after they gave Montgomery so much work last year, and they they lucked their way into an 88 eight record. Like that's just, that's just not good enough. That's not what the bears are trying to strive for They They spent a lot of money on their defense. They invested a high draft pick in Trubisky and now they traded for Nick Foles. Like they're trying to win now. And so if they don't think Montgomery can do it for them, I, I know they didn't really go out and sign anybody or anything, but I think it's definitely going to be, it might even be a three back committee. Honestly, Cohen had over a hundred targets last year. And so it just doesn't make me think that the season that Montgomery had I don't think they're just going to completely blame on the offensive line. I think Montgomery's they, the front office is going to assign some blame to him and say maybe this guy wasn't ready to handle all these touches. Maybe the offense was – like they're, they're, there's only so many excuses you can make for a guy like Montgomery. Now, yeah. you also put on here like Sony Michelle versus James White, and it's a very similar situation. I actually did a podcast uh, where I was talking about – I think we did a mock draft for Dynasty Startup. And I saw that Montgomery was going in the fourth round and Sonny Michelle went in like the eighth round. And I'm just like, why would I pay four extra rounds for basically the same guy? Like they both have a pass catching back on their team. And this is before the Cam Newton news as well. Like they both have a mediocre quarterback. They're both are going to rely on their deal. Like the similarities are just so similar. Obviously Sonny Michelle has had some more injury concerns. And I do think that he's not necessarily a lock to get all the goal line work either. But I was just like, these guys are just so similar in age and situation. Why would I pay four extra rounds for a guy who's a year younger?
0: Right. And you can get the, the receiving back, which you could argue is, is more valuable a a couple of rounds later after you get the, the first and second down guy. Exactly. I'd, I'd agree that um, he, I, I'm a big Austin Eckler guy, and so last season he kept producing high numbers and the team was not winning games. And so I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little, little bit nervous that he was just going to fall off a cliff, uh, even if Donovan Gordon wasn't to come back because they weren't winning games. But at the end of the day, um, you, you can still have plenty of productive guys, like you mentioned, um, that are still putting up good numbers on Low offenses. Yeah, let's so, let's do it. A good so, point there. Uh, some of the listeners. Well, we got one more segment, uh, Tom wanted to bring a up. Bit do you want to jump specific, into that one, Tom? Um, when it comes to trading for for positions that you need when you're in win down mode, so uh, we were kind of talking off air about getting a quarterback like Philip Rivers. Um, it, it for uh, what, what exact what exact position in the the rookie draft would you be? Um, willing to to trade for them it it's easy to say if you have philip rivers, go get a first round pick because nobody's probably going to give you that and if you have rivers, you don't want to sell them for um for a third round so somewhere pr- somewhere probably in the second round is where I would be um looking to to target target rivers with uh with my pick if I was going to acquire him so in this this first scenario, we'll say that it's a super flex league. Philip Rivers is your quarterback three. Would you rather keep him to play on on bye weeks, or would you try to trade him for a 2020 pick? If you tried to trade him for a a 2020 pick, what is the lowest draft position that you would trade for him? So I'd I'll start with this one because I feel like this one is directed this, uh, at me yeah, this, I'm this in a might league with, you, a situation with Rivers with as my QB3. Is that where you came up with this one? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm obviously not a first. If I could get a first, I'd love that. Um, and like you said, I think a third is a little too low for a starting quarterback, even if they're only going to produce for one season. So somewhere in the second round, so you've you've helped us out by putting together a list of um, ADPs of rookie uh, drafts recently. So going through this list, starting at the top of the second, uh, we've got Ruggs, Higgins, Pittman, Vaughn, Mims, and Ayuk. Uh, So I think that's kind of where I draw the line. So the 207, I think I'd rather have Rivers over Chenault. Um, Just because I I really uh, believe in DJ Chark and I I don't know about Chanel, but I think uh, a lot of people have compared him to Cordero Patterson and that could be what we're looking at, especially on the uh, Jaguars offense. Um, And then we've got Zach Moss, who I mentioned earlier, I'm not a big believer in. And then we do have Edwards on here. And I know a lot of people are excited about Edwards. If he can stay healthy, um, that's Brian Edwards drafted by the Oakland Raiders. Um, But at this point I I'd rather hold a, a starting quarterback than take a swing at a potential wide receiver three. So
1: was, I guess, uh, I guess I want to maybe and, want to know uh, if I have if a, a fourth rivers quarterback, if I 53. don't have a fourth quarterback at all, I might just hold on to rivers just because I feel like a lot of these rookie wide receivers, you're going to be able to get a pretty good value next year. I don't see a lot of with limited training camp and potentially no preseason. I can see a lot of these receivers, not really even getting over 60 to 70% of the snaps until maybe halfway through the season and then again we there's just so much unknown with COVID right now there could be a break halfway through the season and maybe like the NFL decides that they're going to just quarantine other players for two or three weeks that's obviously going to stop a lot of progression if I was asked and and I was like really getting like harped on for values and where I would try to trade rivers I would probably want closer to a mid-second I look at a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn and I know you talked about how kind of uh, before the show started about Rojo and how much you like him, but I think Vaughn could potentially be a starting running back for a really good offense. And I know that kind of goes against what I just said, but I think Vaughn is talented enough. I mean, he ran for all over almost seven yards a carry as uh, in the SEC. And as a true freshman at Illinois, he averaged over 15 touches per game. Like that's pretty impressive for a true freshman in a major conference to have to be relied on for that much work, even if it was a, a school like Illinois. So if I could maybe get mid-round second where I could potentially get a running back who doesn't need as much, uh, I guess, acquisition and doesn't need as much training camp and much knowledge to play the position, I would probably trade Rivers for him. But more than likely, if Rivers is a QB3 and you're sitting pretty well and you're more of a win-out team, I think I would probably just sit tight. I understand that Rivers could potentially be a non-starting quarterback or maybe just out of the league by this time next year but just having that security and, and again whether you're with covid and what's going on I think I'd rather take that security than like the upside of a what if rookie
0: all right so. yeah that that's that, that's a fair point so I would ask with that so maybe maybe you don't one a second if someone's offering you a low end so the the 112 would you take that in a heartbeat or would you still consider it yeah that even at, at that point that i'd have like to take it
1: i'd have to take the value your like i said mid, mid-second him, is where it's like it's already season. really tempting if i could even get early second i would probably pull the trigger just knowing okay. that maybe i do sacrifice and maybe i have to i end up shooting myself in the foot and i potentially have to trade for another quarterback or i'm putting myself out of contention but just one for one, just trading a guy like rivers for such a talented rookie in a deep class. Like at that point, I just have to take the, the value because it's, it's just too good to not to give up on.
0: Yeah. So if, uh, if, if somebody was offering you, um, Henry rugs or, uh, or Michael Pittman for, for rivers yeah. there, right. what do you think you would do it?
1: I would do it for rugs Pittman. I, <laughs> Pittman's interesting because rivers is throwing in the ball. Um, yeah. so I, <sighs> I, I guess I would probably still do it for the two oh three, but I would probably take Keyshawn Vaughn.
0: Okay. So I got Keyshawn Vaughn at the two Oh four here. Sam, you said the two Oh six and I'm uh, looking at this list. I've got Denzel Mims going off at, at two Oh five. And I think that's about where, where I have him too. So um, Sam, you say the six Levi, you say the fourth and I say that the, the two Oh five. So for, for all the listeners out there, if you're have a very specific, uh, um, need at uh, at quarterback, and and you have the the two, hundred four to two hundred six. Go go out and try to get Rivers. All right. So the uh, second scenario here, uh, Dak Prescott in a super flex league is your only startable quarterback. Um, with the you you own the two hundred six. Would you rather um, have Nick Foles with the two hundred six? in hopes that he becomes a starter or draft somebody like Chenault or Zach Moss to add depth to your, your
1: roster? I think if I had, yeah, I think if I had the 206, I think I would try to get Foles and I would try to have them add a pick we'll onto it. But if offers. they're really, they're just like, no, this is my final offer. I still think I'm taking it only because if you look at Nick Foles' contract, he has a lot of dead cap money, not only this year, but also next year as well. So assuming that he's going to start at least half the games this year, and you would think since Trubisky is not going to be under contract because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, he'll be the starting quarterback for the Bears next year as well. Obviously, if the team kind of falls apart and everything and they end up taking a quarterback early next year's draft, this kind of backfires on you a little bit. But just knowing that Foles is going to be on the Bears for the next two seasons, and he's probably going to start a majority of those games, I think that's worth giving up the 206. But again, if I can get – like even like a future third or like a fourth and fifth round pick thrown in to take some, some dart throws and stash on my taxi. I would like it a lot better.
0: So it's, it's pretty close. You just try to try to squeeze them for a little bit more.
1: Right. And I think, I think you can do that too. Like, I don't think that's being too aggressive to ask for like future picks or even like later picks just because, I mean, I don't have to like maybe look at a couple of trade calculators or anything, but I feel like a lot of people are even in the most diehard super flex or even two QB leagues. Are trading away a mid-second round, especially in this year's class, with how loaded it is for a quarterback like Nick Foles, where you just you don't really—he's kind of an enigma. Yeah.
0: Sam, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, and I'd say too with Foles, um, if you make that trade, there's always the chance he has a few good games you might then be able to flip Foles into a first-round pick for the future as well uh, because quarterbacks are so valuable in Superflex. And worst case, you might end up just uh, flipping him for like a second or a third during the season. So during the season, that's where I've found that people kind of value those picks a little bit less. So paying the 206 for Foles definitely uh, won't feel too exciting, especially seeing uh, some of the guys you might be able to draft this year. But once he's on the field, because we all know it's going to happen, uh, we've got our Chicago Bears insider here telling us that, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be on the field, and there's going to be somebody else that needs a quarterback just as bad as you. So you might be able to ask a little bit more. You're definitely not going to get less because if they're offering you a third, you can you can just tell them, hey, I, I took the 206 in a pretty pretty deep class, um I, i'm not so sure about next year so you know what i might all right uh, yeah I, I think after. It, it's, it's, it's pretty Levi close to saying. me so, so that's why yeah, i just yeah, wanted I would, to check with the, the two of you so i think we we kind of have fools, um rivers and uh about the 205 or 206 kind of all all about the um rank rank the same or, or at least the the value of it. so that's everything that i had uh for the show any any closing thoughts Uh, no. Yeah, appreciate but it. If you guys
1: uh, are about guys every Wednesday, um, sometimes you, in the, the morning, sometimes apply the apply afternoon, I do uh, I produce my here. own episode of the Fancy Nice Guy Podcast. If you want to give that a listen, I try to do a little bit more dynasty in depth during the off season. And then, as we get a little bit closer to the regular season, I will talk a little bit more about like ad drops, starts of the week. Uh, I even talk a little bit about prop bets and what to do with those. So you definitely get a nice variety. Most shows are probably gonna be about 30 to 40 minutes. So nothing too crazy when I do have hosts on the show, it does run a little bit longer, but it's good content, put a lot of drops, So it's, it's entertaining for sure. Um, if you could follow me on Twitter again, at fancy nice guy, gmail.com. I try to keep it pretty light and fun on there too. And I just want to say thanks again for having me on the show.
0: Yeah. Thanks for, uh, for, for joining the show. Yeah. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, two two things quick I want to uh, drop. One is tightendsmatter.com. Uh, that's officially up- uploaded. We're in the baby, baby, baby stages of it. Uh, I'm going to be re- releasing uh, one tier every evening here the next few weeks, um, just talking about tight end opportunity. Uh, so that's strictly based on what the team has going on. It has nothing to do with the players. Uh, but I'll mention the players in those tiers, and then we'll combine – those team opportunity scores with individual scores so we can look at our twenty twenty opportunities. And then the second thing, Levi I was talking about one of us uh, giving a hey, little I'm, bit of I'm love not, to I'm Ronald ashamed. Jones pre show. And I the, just want to make sure that's very clear from, that was top, Jones, uh, hyping top top up Ronald 20, Jones. Uh, running so. back this year.
1: Ooh. Okay. Sam do you have like a quick hot take at all? <laughs> okay. Uh, I,
0: I'm going to roll with my boy uh, Darrell Henderson, but uh, I, I I don't have I I don't have a lot to base it off. Last year he didn't put up a quiet thousand yard season, uh, but like you mentioned, with uh, rookies getting really limited camp, if anything before the season, I I think Darrell Henderson was banged up last season.
1: Well, if I have to play have anything a for a hot take, plays, I'm going to go back whereas, to my boy Teddy Bridgewater, Jones and I think he finishes the QB one this year.
0: Until next week, keep it flexy.